May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Jesus tells his disciples that a time of great upheaval is coming. All these impressive buildings you see, not one stone will be left atop another. They'll all be thrown down. And more, he tells them they can expect all kinds of war, rumors of war, lousy shepherds, natural disasters, and persecutions to come. He's basically telling them that the world is about to be turned upside down. How can they even begin to get their heads around that? I mean, he was talking about the temple. For Israel, the temple was the very meeting place for God. How could he say it's coming down? It's the most extraordinary building in all the Middle East. He says, don't worry. These things must be. Only know the end is still to come. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. I'm glad he ends with that look ahead, that indeed these hard times to come will be but the birth pains of something new, as good as new life, it gives me hope that we can outlast the upheavals of our own day. I think of the terrorist attacks of 9-11, where the Twin Towers came down, one and then the other. Not one stone was left upon the other. That was 18 years ago, but still how we reel from the force of that day. Were the wildfires in California and how ruinous and threatening and frightening they are. These fires grow to areas, miles and miles square, burning everything in their paths, farmland, buildings, entire neighborhoods, and woods. Great devastation. And I think deforestation is another upheaval in our time. The rainforest in South America, for real, the very lungs of the earth, breathing out whole atmospheres of air for the world, the air all living things need. We scorn the wisdom of conservation and climate, climate science and instead ease the way for gluttony and greed with great machines, powerful and fast, to knock them all down, huge bites each day, all the truffle trees, right? The Lorax knows. He speaks for the trees. But for real, Dr. Seuss is a prophet. All that timber, all that good air, that habitat, the striking diversity of animals and plants, amazing new medicines that might be discovered, we casually knock it all down for a buck. Great upheavals we see. Buildings toppling. Wildfires. Or how about this? all the errant words that pop across our social media streams. They poof like a cloud, like ink in water through the online village. Things would never say face-to-face. Lies and hate, scams, rumors, divisions, and threats. 55%. Anyone know that statistic? 55%. That's how many Warwick High School students didn't go to school this past Thursday. More than half of the student body stayed home because on Monday there was a threat of gun violence. 
Someone posted a threat on someone's Instagram video feed promising terrible tragedy come Thursday. Now, when a threat like that happens across the country, that's scary enough. It's another headline, but now it's happening here in our own neighborhood. Now, thank goodness nothing came of it. It seems to have been a joke, but the alarm is real. 55% stayed home. I have to believe that percentage is as high as it is because we have a culture of guns in this country that is reckless and all too free to do what it will. A BBC News report from August of this year says that six of the ten deadliest mass shootings in U.S. history have happened in the last, not 100 years or 50 years, the last 10 years, within the lifespan of my youngest child. The Washington Post reports we now have more guns in our country than people. That's more than 350 million guns. What are we doing? That's more than 100 million more guns added since the count made in, at, Sand, at Sandy Hook in 2012. 100 million more new guns in seven years. Last year, a Pew Research study showed that 60% of U.S. teens fear a shooting could happen at their school, and their parents share their concern. Is it any wonder? All the while, as it looks like the new Virginia state legislature, starting up next year, may be considering new laws that may curb gun violence, measures most people in favor, like background checks, waiting periods, and red flag laws. There's resistance to the idea now mobilizing, and in numerous rural counties, particularly, there's a concern from gun owners that they're going to lose their right to bear arms. So they're going to their local county boards of supervisors in fair numbers, saying they want their counties to be gun owner sanctuaries where they need surrender none of their rights. They need not follow new laws. Now to me, I'm in favor of sensible gun ownership, but I'm not in favor of gun worship. And I think that's a lot of what we have. Guns are like for so many the new golden calf. People trust the guns more than they trust the Lord. And that's bad news because where the Lord teaches us to trust, guns teach us to fear. What, we should, what should the Lord do with such a fortress as that? You know, it's hard not to look for every bad thing coming down the road when it just so happens we're pretty good at that. Jesus said, don't be alarmed, but we always seem ready to build another fortress or prop up the ones we already have. Sometimes we lose our way and our fortresses need to come down. But of course, some of our fortresses are good. For instance, it's good to see our family and our friends as a kind of fortress. They are mighty and strong in their love and care and example. Our relationships, the bonds we share, are some of the most beautiful fortresses we know. Another fortress is our home. 
God gives us a brain. It's common sense. We make them safe and sound. We keep them in good repair. We protect against fire. We service the furnace and sweep the chimney. We, with locks, alarms, and, and, and maybe arms, we ward away any would-be intruders. We see our home as a kind of fortress, and that's good. Another fortress can be our body, or we say temple, right? The temple, your body is a temple. We diet and exercise. We stay in good health, good shape. We fortify our bodies against sickness and disease. If we're so blessed, we have doctors who keep us well and care for us when we're not. We can see our body as a kind of fortress, a temple. That's good. All kinds of things can be good fortresses. We may see our way of getting around. Our travel is a kind of fortress. We, we do all we can to safeguard our passage from one place to another. Here's a story. I remember a lady in the first church I served maybe 15 years ago. Elsie Catro didn't get around too much. She was almost 90. Her mind was a trap. She remembered everything. But she was frail, and her vision had become poor. Now, the most important things to Elsie was her family and getting herself to church. But she was very particular in the way she got around from one place to another and that she didn't want to fall. Getting around was never spontaneous or haphazard, not if she could help. With her loved one's care, it was always planned out, every inch of the way. I mean, when she was in her apartment waiting to be picked up for church, she would sit there in her chair, and in her mind, she would pray through every step she was about to take that morning. And getting her old body out of that chair, across the living room, to get her coat on, and out the door, and then down the steps, to the car, and then out of the car, and up the steps, into the church, and into her favorite pew. She would rehearse that whole choreography before it even began. She knew every step, every crack of the sidewalk. For her, it was a production necessary, even a fortress to maintain. By the grace of God, it was her way getting around, and she would hold on to that for as long as she could. I think this lesson from Jesus is a call to wisdom. In the course of our lives, we will see great upheavals. From time to time, our fortresses will fall, maybe for our own good, maybe because they've gotten too big for their britches. It could be our fortresses may fall because they no longer serve the Lord as they should. In fact, we might be acting in complete defiance of the Lord and in need of Him. Or maybe they fall for reasons we just don't know. We can't understand. And only God knows. But here's what we know. God will keep bringing a new day. The way I see it, we have two options for living out the rest of our days. One, we can be afraid of what tomorrow brings. We can live every hour expecting the worst. We can sit in a pile of ashes and put all our energy into anticipating the next tragedy 
Thank you.